The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. All right. We're looking at developing intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is such a beautiful personality that if you get to know Him and fellowship with Him, there is nothing you desire for your life that won't flow through Him. Is a wonderful personality. For instance, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.18, it says, by him, speaking of Jesus, or through him, we both access by one spirit to the Father. The Holy Ghost brings us to the Father. Jesus is the way. But the Holy Ghost makes that possible. Nobody will be born again without the Holy Spirit because he's the one that convicts our hearts. You see that? It's what that draws us to God, the Holy Spirit. And God wants you to know the Holy Spirit, to be intimate with the Holy Spirit, to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, Paul says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Give it to me in the ESV. ESV. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see that? We, every one of us needs to have intimate, personal fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Everybody. See? And that's only possible, number one, if you're born again. So if you're not born again, you cannot be um, intimate with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Ghost is only for believers. I shared with them in the second service that Jesus is God's gift to the world. But the Holy Spirit is God's gift to the church. You see that? Jesus is God's gift to the world, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift to the church. In John 3, 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is God's gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to the church. Number two. We dealt with that earlier. We said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a greater influence on you when you're filled with Him. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be under the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's why when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it changes your language. He changes your language. You find yourself speaking in other tongues. In Acts 2 verse 4, the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see that? It changes your language. Hallelujah. So you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, we said be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the sons of God. So one character of mature sons is that they live a Spirit-led life. You see that? If you look at Galatians 5 verse 16, if you can give it to us in the, the, the Living Bible TLB, if you have it, the TLB. Okay. It says, I advise you, to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. It will tell you what, where to go and what to do. 
then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to wants you to. So you can see that when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are actually weakening our flesh and empowering our spirit. Listen to this again. I advise you to obey only the, the Holy Spirit's instructions. It will tell you where to go and what to do. Then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants to do. You know, I hear people say, it's my weakness. What you're talking about is the evil nature. So if the evil nature is dominating you, it's proof positive that you're not listening to the instructions of the Spirit. There are people the Lord told me to stay away from, even while I grew up, growing up as a young man. Because I believe if, they, if I was closest to those, those people, I may not be where I am today. Look at verse 17. 17. It says, For we naturally love to do evil things that are just opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And the good things we want to do when the Holy Spirit has, has His way with us are just opposite of our natural desires. These two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to win control over us. And our wishes are never free from their pressures. That means the Holy Ghost is putting you under pressure. The flesh is putting you under pressure. See? And when I yield to the Holy Spirit, I empower my spirit. So it becomes easier to obey next time. I mean, if you have noticed that if you lie down for a long time and don't walk, you may lose your ability to walk. I mean, if you're aware of that. If you lie down for a long time and you don't walk or move your hand, you'll lose your ability to walk. I mean, if you know that. My mother was in a coma for maybe about six months or more, or thereabout, and that's why her hand is the way it is. Because the physiotherapy guy that was paid to do it in the hospital didn't do his job well. See? So the same way, if you do not exercise your spirit, you'll find out perceiving spiritual things to be very difficult. So every time you are led by the spirit, what you've just done is that you've strengthened your spirit to obey. And I'll deal with it more strongly later. Verse 18. It says, when you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you, you, you need no longer force yourself to obey Jewish laws. You see that? The man who is guided by the Holy Spirit does not need regulations. He doesn't need laws. You just do the right thing even when you don't know the facts. I shared in first service about someone that um, was around me. I use the word around me so that it's hidden who the person is. And um, the Holy Spirit was, I just kept on having this discomfort in my spirit that I could tell the person to leave. And after I released the person from my sphere, I found that the person was smoking. I didn't know he was smoking. See, I didn't know. But he was smoking and was acting like a Christian, talking like a Christian. And he was a Christian, all right? But the issue was that he was now smoking. Firstly, he was smoking before he got saved and has gone back to his old ways. But I didn't know. That's the greatest person in the world. See? So when you are led by the Spirit, you'll find yourself functioning accurately without knowing all the facts. Number four, Fellowship of the Holy Spirit by reading and meditating on the Word. See, one way we adjust our thinking to be controlled by the Holy Spirit is by meditating on the Word of God. And that's very important, like I love to say. Number five, we said do the Word. Do the Word. Now let's look at number six in this service. Obey the leadings and promptings of the Holy Spirit. Obey the leadings and promptings of the Spirit. Obedience endears you to God. 
In Isaiah 1, 19, the Bible says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. In other words, the, the quality of your life is determined by your reaction to divine instruction. The provisions you enjoy is actually decided by a re response to divine instruction. The quality of your life is determined by a response to divine instruction. The provision you enjoy is determined by the quality of by your response to divine instruction. It says, if you are willing and, um, and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, if there's good in the land, there's also bad in the land. So right now, if you're not enjoying life in the midst of the lockdown, in spite of the lockdown, then possibly you may not be obeying instruction. Because so you eat the good of the land. It is so you eat the good of the land if there are no lockdowns. Look at verse 20. It says, But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See? Which means every time we disobey God, something dies in us. Every time we obey God, we release life. Every time we disobey God, something dies in us. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that have sent before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you may, that you and your descendants may live. Now, notice it says, I said for you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. See, whenever I obey God, I release life. Disobedience leads to death. Obedience leads to life. Disobedience leads to death. Obedience leads to life. Look at the next verse, verse 20. It says that you, you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him. He is your life. Watch this. And the length of days. That means quality of life and quantity of life is rooted in obedience. Quality of life and quantity of life is rooted in obedience. Is your life. Quality of life. Is your life, quantity of life, and the length of your days. So, right now, your life reflects a relationship with God. The quality of your life right now reflects a relationship and fellowship with God. So that you may dwell in line with the Lord's word to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, or in English, Jacob. All right. Let's look very quickly. In Isaiah 48, 15 to 18, and I'll read you a few stuff and we move on. It says, I, even I, have spoken. Yes, I called him, I brought him, and his way will prosper. Next. Come ye near to me, come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken and speaking from the beginning, from the time that it was, I was there, and now the Lord God and the Spirit has sent me. Next. He said, thus says the Lord, listen to this, your Redeemer, God is talking to you, the only one of Israel, and the Lord your God, watch this, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Now, this word profit is the word yaw. It refers to beneficial, profitable. You see that? So God is saying that whenever you hear the voice of God, it will lead you to increase. It is more beneficial to obey God than to disobey God. 
Then he says, who leads you in the way you should go? Like I told you, divine instructions are not suggestions. When you reduce a divine instruction to the level of a suggestion, it, it loses its power to motivate you. See, divine instructions are commands. And a command is a non-negotiable obligation. Divine instructions are commands. And a command is a non-negotiable obligation. So when I hear God talk to me, it's something I have to do. Are you following me? Look at this quickly. Next verse. Or are you heeded my commands, then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the wave of the sea. In other words, if you're not at peace, if you're not at rest in your heart, prove positive. You're not spending time with the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to his voice. Because if you spend time on the word of God, the Bible says, that will keep him in perfect peace, he whose heart is stayed on you. Isaiah 26 verse 3. So the more time we spend in the word of God, the more peace we will be. Obedience is a demonstration of loyalty to God. Obedience is a demonstration of loyalty to God. You cannot develop intimacy with God in rebellion. You cannot. Disobedience is rebellion. Disobedience simply means distorted obedience. Disobedience means, it's on two words, two words, distorted and obedience. Disobedience is distorted obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. When Saul came back, look at 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. When Saul came back and um, he offered, he came, was coming to offer sacrifices. Let's begin from, give me from verse 19. It says, why then did not you obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop on a spoil, uh, swoop down on a spoil and do evil inside of the Lord? Now, God said, you go kill everybody. The Amalekite, king, peasant, everybody, rich and poor, young and old, female, male, animals, kill everything. Kill their animals even, because some of these people were also involved in bestiality. So, it says, I kill all the animals. And these guys are coming back with a spoil, partial obedience. Partial obedience. So partial obedience is disobedience. Now maybe we should take it higher. Maybe we should go to, um, let me see, let me see that I can see it in context. Because some of us will say, at least I obeyed Shah. No, you don't obey Shah, you obey fully. All right? Let's begin from verse 1. We'll skip a few verses. Simon also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over Israel. Over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how we ambushed him on the way when he came from Egypt. Now, that's what I was talking yesterday. I said, when you do things against God's church, God remembers. You see that? He says, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how we ambushed, ambushed him on the way when he came from Egypt. This happened during the time of Moses. This is hundreds of years later. Watch this. Now, therefore, go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. He says, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and don't kill everything. Now, let's look at verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Avila all the way to Shore, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag king of the Amalekites alive. Notice it took Agag. God said, kill everybody. I'll share this with you, but it bears repetition because in those days, when you go to war, 
the proof you've conquered a territory are two things. You bring the king, you can add the influential men too, or you bring the king alone, and you bring the goods of war. Then you parade the people, the, the, what, the, the butcher of war, the king and those who brought that you conquered, and the animals. Then your people will hail you, that you're a great warrior. Now Saul goes to this land, watch this, and kills everybody and brings the king alive. How would they know that I really did what I said I, I did if I don't have proof? Do you know one reason why we disobey God is pride? Let's say we're ministry and dancing, praise and worship, and God says, come and roll on the floor. You have your makeup on. You made your hair yesterday. 6,000 or 10,000, whatever thousand you used to make your hair. Your weave on is how much. Then you roll on the floor. And you're there. And I say, whatever the Lord has told you to do, do it. You look at your clothes again. I'm going to roll like that. I will do it when I get home. Then you go home, pull your clothes, wear your shorts, you roll on the ground. That's not what I want you to roll. I want you to roll on the ground here. See, pride. You see, all disobedience is rooted in selfishness. And pride is a form of selfishness. Because you're conscious of yourself. When you're proud, you're always self-conscious. You're always self-conscious. And he took Agar, king of the Malachites, alive, and Allah destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good, but, were willing to, but unwilling to utterly destroy them. Notice unwilling. Take note of the word unwilling. If you're on the line, on the line, unwilling. But everything despised, worthless, that they utterly destroyed. God says, I want you to Give away all your clothes. All. Lord, and I hear you say all. All. All right? You pick all the cheap ones and spread them in church. I, I sold. Because I should give away my clothes. But I thought he said all. He said my clothes. I thought he said all. Yes, but I gave my clothes. I gave many. He said all. One time the Lord told me to give away my best clothes. I gave all the way, and I had only one shirt, a trouser, and a t-shirt. And it says, all, it's all. And at that time, I gave away my clothes again. He asked for it. I gave away everything. I was left with two shirts and a trouser. So you keep this one for yourself. They were not the best. Give the best out. You know, you are the pastor of the church. You do the preaching. And you see members wearing your clothes better dressed than you. So if you're finding it difficult to obey God, you're proud. Let me give you another instance. If God tells you he has called into the ministry, and you're like, oh, if I go into the ministry, how can I provide for myself? See, watch this. How can I provide for myself? So you don't answer the call to the ministry because you know that with your strength, you can provide for yourself. With your strength. Notice, you're proud. You're feeling self-sufficient without God. 
So if I answer my call, how will I provide for myself? How will I provide for myself? I thought the Lord shall provide. No, how will I provide for myself? Oh, when you're working in, in church, are you, are you not working? No, I am working there. And amazingly, many of these people, when they sit and talk with me, what they are earning outside the church, we are paying people more than what they earn there. So when they now hear something, they say, I want to answer my call. Don't answer. Stay the way you are. Because you want to answer now because of money. Pride. Pride. Your husband says, stupid woman. Say, me, call me, call me stupid. You, that is my father, that helped you to do the marriage. Eh? Pride. Stupid woman. Huh? Was I not the one that trained you in school? Pride. Look at Proverbs 13 verse 10. Proverbs 13 verse 10. Look at this. By pride comes nothing but strife. But with a well advice is wisdom. You see that? Why do we have quarrels in homes? Pride. The old King James says, only by pride come a contention. Only by pride come a contention. So why do we have quarrels in homes? Pride. You look at you, who you be, you be person. Oh boy, you know, let them go like that. That cannot talk. Answer. Me. You say I be person. Your father. Pride. So you see why you quarrel, why you fight? You're in your office, two of you, two grown men. And two of you are talking. Maybe you started trading words. Look at you. So you're a Christian. And you say you're a Christian. And you cannot let go of those things. Say, come on, get out there. You guys think you can allow me to put me in this office. I won't try that nonsense. Look at you. People like this, they're fired or go. Me. You are the one that will go to their fire. Then he gets to a point. Then he says something and it hits you. Look at you. Nonsense. You're walking this bank because you're from Bayasa. Then you catch the guy, the evil guy. You give him headlock. And I say, oh, then your brother says, stop now, boy, we're in the bank. Stop this nonsense. So it's now by us, it's as evil. Right. You remember people, all they know is talk, 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 talk. Mbati, mbati. The Yoruba guy responds, what of you? Your people too, what of, notice why he's responding. Right. All the quarrels we have is all pride issues. You dried your clothes, watch this, and your neighbor came and moved them. They were not fully dry. Let me go experience that one. They moved them a little. Wave your hand. Let God see you now. Don't lie now. You're in the house of God. Then you, you watch what you say. You, you knock the door. Okay, what you say you be. When you say you be, you pack my clothes aside. Who you say you be? Make I warn you for this place here. Not your type. Right. The reason why some of you are borrowing to wear clothes you, you are owing on is pride. Say, so I know my mates. It's when their church is opening. I got to enter there. And move the place. So you go and borrow money. 
and buy the clothes, buy the high heels. You've not finished paying, you know. My prayer that it does not break. You know, these days, heels break. And they've not finished paying the money. You enter the service like this. Bless the Lord. Oh. Someone lift your hand and worship. You stand like this, like eagle. Because <laughs> your nails are out there with your eagle claws. Right. They haven't paid you during the lockdown in your own office. That's why you don't have the money. Wear what you have. Because after the service closes, nobody remembers what you wore. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? Next Sunday, nobody knows what you wore. So leave all your fashion parades and be real. Amen? Now let's look at this quickly. Start playing on the keyboard, please. It says in verse 10, Now the word of God came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. He has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved someone a cry to the Lord all night. Notice, partial obedience is disobedience. God says he has turned back from following me. But Lord, he killed the rest of people. I said, kill everybody. Tithe is 10%. When you have 20,000, you bring 2,000. 20,000, you bring 12,000. You made 2 million. Say, I will now carry a whole 200,000 and I go and give to God. Oh boy, check out. I guess sense. Oh boy, check out, check out. So you brought 50,000. Partial obedience. Partial obedience affected my home one time many years ago when Joshua was one year old. He was given money. Normally we tithe out of our children's money because God taught me that when children receive money tied out of it, it, it gives a, an insurance on that child. That child will be preserved from all kinds of sickness and infirmities. The virus will be for that child. So somehow the mother got excited all the plenty of money the boy got to go and buy things and he not tithe from the money. And during that time, we just got to what they call a dispenser. And the elder sister was four years old. And um, she got hot water without knowing. And gave her younger brother. She said, I wanted to drink water. She didn't know which is which. So when she gave the water to the boy, the boy drank it. It poured on his mouth, his chest. And the boy screamed. And we came there and saw what happened. Now I knew something was wrong. So I called the mother. I said, did you tithe from the money? She said, no. I said, this boy is injured right now. That's the only incident we had anything that serious happened to any child. And I went upstairs. I said, Lord, I'm very sorry on behalf of my wife. But Lord, I'm a tither. I said, he healed that boy without a scar. That boy has no scar. There's no trace on his chest, on his face. And he was burnt. And his skin filled up. So we learn forever as a family, we cannot tolerate partial obedience. There are many of us who live our lives of partial obedience. There's somebody come and say, I don't know why, Christian, why this happened. And God is wondering, do you really know the person you're talking about? 
You're coming to question me. Do you know them? Do you, do you know them? Say so this individual is very committed in church and all that. Do you know them? Do you know them when nobody's looking? Do you know what I told them they've not done? Do you know them? Do you know how to open the door to the enemy? Do you know them? A family lost their son. It was a faith church. They were learning how to believe the things of God. And they were very angry that they were going to pull away from faith. Someone has to answer their question. So they called the particular minister and said, this is what happened. It's a faith church. We prayed and the child still died. And the minister got asked a simple question. He said, um, let me talk to the husband and wife involved. How is your marriage? Found out they were always quarreling and abiding themselves, always fighting, always fighting. And he said, so simple. Where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Now that you're fighting, according to the word of God and there's strife, there'll be confusion and every evil work. Your boy blew his head off. Blew his head off because there's aiming and strife in the home. And the day the boy blew his head off, a mother was quarreling with the boy. There's all these quarrels in the house. And if you like, go and never come back again. And the boy never came home. From where he went to play in his friend's house, the brother gone, and they were looking at it. He blew his head and rushed the husband to come out from there and die. She said, never come back again. Partial obedience. They were faith people. In the name of Jesus, Father, we believe you can restore. We believe you can restore, but you're quarreling in your heart. You have bitter envy and strife in your heart. There are people here whose lives could be better, but they, 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 they are looking for somebody who, who will deceive them than someone who will tell them the truth. Partial obedience. Partial obedience. Partial obedience. I can tell you instances in many people's lives where the Lord said, this is what happened. And I'll say, what about this? Oh. So that's why you, you blew it up. Then the repent and restoration starts taking place. Partial obedience. See, is there partial obedience in your life? Is there partial obedience in your life? Look at what he says. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Camel. Indeed, he set up a monument for himself. Notice, he set up a monument for himself. I told you, pride, you're self-conscious. You're full of yourself. Set up a monument for himself. And he has gone around and passed by and gone out to Gilgal. You know, like we have brought, we have brought a king. Set up a bigger statue for me. He never knew that was the end of his reign. Watch this. Then Samuel went to Saul and said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. And Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. You see, it's only Paul said, I'll never forget. He said, Judge nothing before the time. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. The man says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. You see, everybody is right in their own eyes. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. In your own eyes, you're right. One time, Kennedy Hagin was talking to the Lord. And he said, Lord, your word says you are willing and obedient. I shall eat the good of the land. I obeyed you, answered my call. I'm not eating the good of the land. God said, you are obedient as much as you know. But you are not willing. 
See, every one of us, we are right in our own eyes. And the Bible says, be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord. I perform the commandment of the Lord. Look at this quickly. In verse 14. But Samuel said, what then is the beating of the sheep in my ears and lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought, they have brought them from the Amalekites. Notice he didn't say, I have brought them. They have brought them. The Bible says in verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. In verse 9, Saul and the people spared. Verse 15, now the problem comes that they have. You know one reading about proud people? They never apologize. They always shift blame. One thing about proud people, they never apologize. They always shift blame. Why are you late? Oh, I'm sorry I was late. Uh, it's my husband. It's my husband. If not for my husband, I know I'll be here. Why are you late? You're late. I'm so sorry, sir. So why are you late? Sir, please, I, I, I believe I didn't move on time, sir. Next time be early. But now you should have blamed your husband. Proud people never take responsibility. They always shift blame. Why are you the way you are? Because of the fact that the Nigerian government did not do anything for me. That's why I'm where I am. No, that's not why you, the way you, you are the way you are. I'm also from this country after the flesh. Uh-huh. Proud people never take responsibility. They always shift blame. They always shift blame. It's not my fault. It's her fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's whose fault. It's never my fault. When you get to that point where it's always your wife's fault, you're proud. And God resists the proud. They never apologize. There are several things proud people never do. They never say thank you because they always want more. They never apologize. They never say I'm sorry. And they never say please. They are always commanding everybody. And come, carry this thing out of here. You're dealing with a proud person. You're dealing with a proud person. They never apologize. Oh, I'm very sorry. Never. Even God, as big as God is, when Moses told God that it would have been wrong for God to kill the children of Israel, the Bible says the Lord repented. Because God is humble. You see why you're finding it difficult to obey God? Because you are proud. Why you find it difficult to obey your parents? Because you are proud. Go and wash clothes. No feet. I'll beat you. Mommy, not my type. They beat again. Mommy, not my type. Look at you. You're catching your mother's hand. And I found out people who are like that. They die before their parents. It's in the Bible. That's why if you're here, you've ever beaten your parents or caught their hand and held them now. Go and apologize. Go and apologize. One of these days, I trust God to teach you those things. What happens to people who beat up their parents? Right. It's killing 
many of us here. It's killing many of us. They gave you a shirt. Now me that they give that kind of shirt. Now my mates, they wear shirt of 50k. How much is your salary? 15,000. Can you buy a shirt of 50k? No. And someone gave you a shirt of 15k. You don't, you don't know my class. The other day I sit down with my friend when they related to a politician. What did they talk with him where? See the guy leg. The leg. 150. My uncle, the money when he get they buy me shirt of 5,000, 10,000. Maybe other people get no speaking. Your suffering are just started. Because God resists the proud. You go to your husband. What's happening? I've married you for the past eight years. You have not bought me a car. And you've not done anything. My friend's husband has bought her four cars. Are you married to your friend's husband? No. It's this useless man that I married. You are a useless man. You cannot even do anything for me. The man says, we are trying. At least we are, we are managing the car we have. I regret marrying you. The reason you regret it because you're comparing yourself with your friend. And that's what proud people do. They are always in a competition. Proud people are always in a competition. They compete. When they come to church, they compete. Everything is competition. Okay, okay look, at, look, look, look at look at him. What is he feeling like? They'll be wearing new suits to the church. Last week, blue. Yeah, that one, this color, that one, just from. How old is that boy? 33 years. Me, I'm 38. Because he's from Bayelsa. We, they also hear that boy, they wear suit. God punish them. What is your problem? You see why your life is hard? You see why your life is hard? You see why your life competition? when God does anything for somebody don't go and cry don't go and speak against them celebrate with all your heart as though it happened to you, you'll get it I'm going to say it again whenever God does anything for anyone celebrate with them as though it happened to you be happy for them like it's your own I'm going to do it for you but if God does something for someone, you sit there and say, my friend is married. Can you imagine my friends are married? I'm just there, there working in church. <laughs> because of God, I don't feel what You're not getting married. But you see your friend getting married, dress with them, rejoice with them, celebrate with them. You know what will happen? You also get married. Because whatever you celebrate, you perpetuate. Your friend just buys a car. Says, Apostle, come and dedicate it. And that brother is not happy. See, he need show off. Yeah, I can someone buy two cars in one year. Buy your money. Yeah, what is he doing? He dedicated house last week. Now he's bringing car for all of us to see. Yeah. He's buying car. Now some people, they buy car, they go get accident. What is your problem? What is, what is your problem? Because somebody else is happy about his own car. He's saying, Apostle, dedicate the car for me. You, you are angry that the person is happy he got a car. See why you don't have a car?
This is why you're waiting on. You went to someone's house, you saw the big TV. The TV that you said you can enter inside. You know those big televisions? Big. You see them, just get big TV. See, standing AC. They're not saying you're all looking in your mind, they're talking. You just hear the suffering. These people. We will see me the airports. So on the teeth upon your teeth for their television everything. Now that's your bad heart. God will not allow it happen for you to have those things because you're not rejoicing with those who rejoice. Oh, I want to thank God. I just came back from the UK and because uh, eh, didn't go abroad. Because we never go abroad, didn't go testify UK. That one he went to Canada, that one Germany, that one this one. I don't like all this kind of nonsense. Eh? You know, again, it's another testimony because it's not you. So you hear someone say, I'm just, thank, thank you, Lord. That's why when I see any achievement in any ministry, I rejoice with them. They say, oh, they built on their sister, on their sister. Oh, praise God. I'm rejoicing. Guess what? As you're rejoicing with them, because you honored what God did for someone, that same blessing will rub off on you. By your heads for a moment. So if you know there's any blessing you see somebody have and you are angry, it's not you. Repent. And begin to thank God for what he has done for those people that you want, those things you want. Begin to thank God for doing it for them. Quickly. Begin to thank God for doing it for those people. He blessed somebody with a job. Somebody has got a scholarship to go abroad. You wanted it, you didn't get it. Instead of getting angry, God, now thank God for doing it for that person. Rejoice. Ask God to prosper them as they've gone abroad for the studies. That they should do well academically. Your friend is married, you're not married. Thank God that your friend is married. Pray that she should have children. She should prosper. Begin to find those things now. Begin to pray. Those things you want to see in your life that somebody has. You wish you have it. I begin to pray for them. Thank God for it and bless them. Because God will bless those who bless you. So you're blessing someone else, so you too can be blessed when they are blessed with. Go ahead. You know what you want. You know what you want to have. Somebody has it. They're not very happy about them sometimes. You're not happy with God because they're doing it for others, they're not doing it for you. So now begin to thank God for what He has done for them and change your attitude. Father, increase them. Father, do more for them. In the name of Jesus, bless them. Yes, increase their business, Father. I've seen what you've done, Father. Yes, you bless Hyundai. Hyundai became a billionaire. Father, I thank you. Increase it more and more. Give me more ideas. In the name of you are moving away from selfishness now. You are moving away from selfishness. You are entering intercession. And when you, to intercede, you have to die to your own needs. So right now, begin to pray for them. You know somebody that God has blessed one way or another. Thank God for them. Pray for them that God would increase them and protect them. And you'd be amazed at what you're praying right now. Somebody else also prayed for you, but you also express what they're expressing right now because you rejoice with them. Go ahead and thank him. Thank him for what he's doing in their lives. That believer getting blessed. That one is having what you want. Father, I thank you for what you've done for so and so. Father, I pray that more comes to them in the name of Jesus. Take your eyes off yourself for a moment. Take your eyes off yourself for a moment. If you're too preoccupied with your needs, with, with the pressures of your life, 
take your life off yourself for a moment. Go ahead and pray. You wanted to have a car. You wanted your husband to have a car. The other person has a car. The wife has a car. They have three cars. You don't have a car. Father, thank you for blessing that family. Father, thank you for increasing that family. Father, I give you thanks in the name of Jesus for increasing that church. Yes, Father, we bless that church. Thank you, Father, for the church building that was built. Father, we thank you for the crowd that goes to that church. We thank you, Father, for that church TV ministry. We thank God, you know, begin to extend in your heart. Extend in your heart. And that thing you're waiting for, that thing you're longing for, will come into your hands because your heart is right. Because your heart is right. Because your heart is right. You know what you want that somebody has. You look at them like, hey, you wish you were them. Now begin to bless them. Begin to ask God to do more for them. So that that same grace that produces that result will manifest in your own life. Talk to God. Father, we love you. We honor you for your word. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we stand up together? Please lift your hands up. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for enlightening me. I repent of my selfishness and of my pride. Today, I let go of selfishness and pride. I choose to rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray even now that you help us see things from a perspective. We judge ourselves in any way we've delayed your work in our lives. In any way we've delayed your progress in our lives. And Father, we choose to rejoice with those who are blessed. That we may see that same blessing manifested in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Celebrate Jesus, please. Thank you for listening to this message. As we preach the full message of this new life, our goal is to raise the people who are like Jesus by exposing them to the influence of God's word and his spirit in an atmosphere of love so that they may be able to take the love of God, the word of God, and the healing power of God to every individual within their sphere of contact. For more information on how you can get other messages by Apostle David Wally Fesso, visit us at Charismatic Renaissance International Church, Kilometer 9 and 10, along Isaac Boro Expressway, Biogulu, Yenegua, Bayosu State. You can also visit our website at crichurch.org. Follow us on Facebook at Charismatic Renaissance or call 003-382-7072 or 005-120-4708. God bless you.